ইসলাম But for now, I'm going to be greeting my guests in studio, Sheikh Aslam Alaikum. Wa alaikum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, how are you this afternoon? Fine, fine. Alhamdulillah. How's yourself and Yasmina? Um, alhamdulillah, Sheikh. I'm now going to be giving you the platform in terms of continuing with Sheikh's stop yesterday with regards to your Nabi Yunus. Shukran for that one, Auntie Yasmina. Barakallah fikum. MashaAllah. May Allah grant khair and barakatuh all of us. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. الحمد لله وحده والصلاه والسلام على من لا نبي بعد رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم علمنا بما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وارزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والاكرام <coughs> السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته اولى لسنس اوف ذا الحمد لله All thanks and praises due to Allah till always and forever. And love and salam to our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the last and final messenger whom Allah has sent to humanity to guide all of us to the right path, to be able to be successful in this world and successful in the year after. May all of us be of those who are worthy of being his followers. And when we submit to his message, and when we strive our very very best to follow his pattern and lifestyle allahumma amin amin ya rabbal alamin alhamdulillah um allow me we will first make the opening dua and then go over to our lesson um a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin wal aqibatu lil muttaqin wal jannatu lil muwahhidin wala udwana illa ala adh-dhalimin was salatu was salam ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin sayyidina wa maulana muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in rabbana zidna ilman warzuqna fahma bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin rabbana zalamna anfusana fa in lam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin allahumma ij'alna minal ladhina yastami'una alqawla fayattabi'una ahsana Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqa warzukna attiba'ah wa arina al-batila batila warzukna ijtinaba wa la taj'alhum multabisan alayna fanadilla ya rabbal alamin Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana tawqina adhab an-nar wa adkhilna al-jannata ma'al abrar ya azizu ya ghaffar ya rabbal alamin إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمد سبحان سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله Yesterday we've been in the segment Knowing My Lord 
And in that segment we went to the issue of Nabi Yunus uh, and, and we said that uh, we, we saw what happened in the life of Nabi Yunus. So inshallah, uh, uh, as, as we saw what happened in the way things happened with his people and they were dealt with him, we went into what happened with him when he went to the shore and he got onto the ship and the reaction with the people he had. And as to what happened to him when for the third time, when they pulled the lots and they found his name was on there, he took it with a condition that he will be walking the plank if for that matter he is, uh, if they pull his name the third time. They agreed to that and Alhamdulillah, Subhanak, it so happened that Nabi Yunus, as we said, walked the plank and landed into the water. As Nabi Yunus landed into the water, we said, Prior to Nabi Yunus going onto the water, the water was very unstable, very rough, turbulence, very strong turbulences in the water, very high waves and almost rocking the, 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 the boat of its uh, form. With all that, we said, they, we, one, they could look in the distance and saw the turbulences right around the, uh, the ship. But in the distance, they could see that the, the sea was actually very, very calm. Extremely calm. Absolute calmness on the sea everywhere, except for where Nabi Yunus found himself on the ship. And so when Nabi Yunus landed into the water, we said, there was absolute turbulences to the extent that when Nabi Yunus landed in the water, he did not know as he went into the water, the, the body could not fathom out or identify the fact what is up from down because uh, his body was, was moved at very fast pace and in the turbulences he didn't know which way he's going and what is happening to the body um, to that extent not knowing because it's, it's, it's moving fast and you don't know what is up from down and, or, or in front or at the back and, and it was so uncomfortable Nabi Nunes landed into the belly of the whale as the decree of Allah and we've described the process of the whale and or the belly of, of the, the, the animal that he was in that Nabi Yunus in actual fact um, was inside that position and as he was inside that position he realized that he was in something but now did not know where he really was as we said that he could identify in this thing water was gushing in at high speed and as it gushed in there was some point it went out again but him having no idea as to what happened at that moment when the water gushes in at that high speed and there's a lot of water it's almost like somebody sitting in at a cave in near in the water and the water gushes in and gets high and it takes you to the extent where you almost lose your breath and you cannot breathe anymore and, and, and you, 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 you st struggle to be able to react and this is what happened to Nabi Yunus on a continuous basis it happens when the water gushes in and you struggling sorry for that I think you understand what we're saying here 
trying to be able to let you and feel the emotion of what happened to Nabi Yunus. It's, he struggled to be able to keep his breath. Subhanallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are still by our first segment of the program, being Knowing My Lord. And your Sheikh is speaking on Nabi Yunus, alayhi salam. Do know that you can send through your questions via our WhatsApp and our SMS line if you have anything relating to what Sheikh is being mentioning. Sheikh, and I hand over to you to continue, inshallah. Bismillah. And Yasmina, I just want to confirm with the, with the listeners out there, there was nothing wrong with my voice prior to this. Alhamdulillah, I wasn't stuttering. Uh, I was just trying to animate the type of action that happened to Nabi Yunus so that you and I can understand precisely what happened. It wasn't very, very easy. It was uncomfortable. It was unbearable. That every moment you feel you're going to drown now. <laughs> there is almost no more air left. This is the extent you 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 feel you 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 cannot know. Now the water comes gushing in and fills your environment, and you're struggling to breathe, or you try to keep your breath. And as you keep your breath there, you feel that the moment comes where you have to let go, and you let it go. And as you let it go, uh, uh, you you feel now now this is the moment I'm gonna drown now. This was the mo- that was the extent of Nabi Yunus period or situation. And that happened for a period of three nights on three days. Continuous, continuous, continuous. Carrying on and on. No move. No, 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 no stop to that. Three nights and three days. Now, you know that if you and I have to go into a situation for once, then you feel you're almost going to die or you're going to drown or it's going to be the end of your life and you feel devastated about it. And it's a major issue. Can you imagine? Allah takes a Nabi and puts him to this extent for a period of three nights and three days, 72 hours carrying on and on and on. And just as the moment comes when Nabi Yunus feels he gives up it all, then he feels that the water gushes out. Allahu Akbar. And that moment the water gushes out, he takes his breath, he breathes, he breathes in. And as he breathes in, Nabi Yunus says, Sub- La ilaha illa anta subhanak inni kuntu min al-thalimeen. And he carries on. And when he's, when the moment comes that the next water, moments of water gushing in again, at high speed and a lot of water and fills the space and there's no more space for him and he's got to try to keep as much as he can but can't hold with all he, in his mind think of la ilaha illa anta subhanak inni kuntu min min and so when he gets a moment to be able to say those words he says it and when the moment is impossible for him it goes through his mind and he feels his body and mind and body and everything is going just la ilaha illa anta subhanak Inni kuntu min al-zalimin. Now allow me to share with you if you don't mind. Allah says to us in Surah Anbiya, Surah Al-Anbiya is Surah number 21, verse number 87 and number 88. Go through those two verses and you read there and you see this where Allah says, وَذَنُّونَ إِذْ ذَهَبَ مُغَادِبًا فَظَنَّ أَلَّنِ النُّقْرِ أَلَّنْ نَقْدِرَ عَلَيْهِ فَنَادَى فِي الظُّلُمَاتِ أَلَّا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ سُبْحَانَكَ إِنِّي كُنْتُ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Right, سبحانك لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله In that verse, Allah says, وَذَنُّونَ And 
the possessor of the noon when he went at, in a state of anger and feeling uncomfortable he thought that he was going to get away from it all he can get just turn his back onto his people and walk away and get away and he thought that he would never be we wouldn't be kept responsible for what Allah has given his job for him to do he wouldn't be kept responsible meaning he, he did not fulfill his duty and just walked away from that until the moment came Allah says Fanada the situation became so intense upon him that he landed in the depth of the darkness now the depth of the darkness as described here the scholars are saying to us he was in the darkness of the sea in extreme turbulences in the darkness of the nights that he passed through in the darkness of the belly of the whale in deep darknesses he has been and there he's been calling out to Allah La ilaha illa anta subhanak inni kuntu now it's imperative for us to be able to listen to we, we told you why did Allah do this to Nabi Yunus because he was given the job to go to that people and irrespective of what happens he needs to be able to carry over the message to the people but we said Nabi Yunus then draw conclusions to the extent he saw no you were not prepared to react to what I expect you to do and so he then said to them the curses of Allah is going to come upon you and Allah is going to punish you and, uh, and he walked away from them we told you that or we shared that with you and we, we saw then that how he went onto the ship at, at the shore he went onto the ship and he with the intention to go to some other place and Allah decided for him that Allah is going to put him into the challenge Allah is going to put him in. Now he was given a responsibility, like you and me, like all of us. We are all given the responsibilities. All of us was given a job. All of us has a responsibility. If you're a man, you're either a father, and you have a father figure responsibility. The responsibility of being a father. You're a brother, so you have a responsibility of being a brother. You are a son, so you have a responsibility of being a son. Or if you are a daughter or a female, then as a female you could be a mother, you could be a daughter, um, a sister, or, or you could be a sister. And and, and 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 so in every, no matter what the position is you hold, you have responsibility in the sight of Allah Taala. But similarly. You also have a position when you got married that you are a, a wife or you are a husband. And so at all times, and if you are working, you have a certain responsibility. And all those responsibilities you and I need to see too. And this is what Allah, but that responsibility that Allah has given you, that Allah is going to keep against you until you fulfill your responsibility. And that's what Allah gives us the understanding of the reason of the reaction of Allah to Nabi Yunus, that if man is not prepared to want to carry out the responsibility given to him, and even if that responsibility is uncomfortable, unbearable, you need to do it. Like for instance, you are a married man, you have a wife, and who your wife is, you need to be able to give the guidance to your wife as a man. And it's your responsibility to see that, to see that your family and your wife fulfills the duties within Islam. And if you are a woman, the mother in the family, 
then you have responsibility towards your husband. But similarly, similarly you have responsibility of Allah towards your children. Allah's going to keep you, mommy, you responsible. Because your biggest job is not to see to the food. It's not to be able, your biggest job is not to see to the cleaning of the place. Your biggest job is to see those children that was given to you to nurture and to rear their minds and their hearts and to remind them over and over, continuously perpetuating onto the message of what Allah and His Rasul wants in a decent manner. But that is your job. And you cannot run away from it. Or you cannot say, make it good gemaakie, and because I cleaned the house, and because I did the, 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 the food, and that's why. No. Then leave the washing, and leave the food, and see that you do your duty, which Allah is going to keep you responsible for. Your food that you've made, that's your pashala that you've just did. That's your additional thing. Allah is not going to keep you responsible. Jai moet kos Allah if you responsible only, that's not necessities. The necessity is you see that you live as a Muslim mother and you pass over the message in your voice, reminding and repeating and showing in your character to your family, but more so to keep on, to keep on, to remember that your job description is that you must be able to pass the message as the mother figure in nurturing them in guiding them and showing them the beauty of the steen of islam may allah open the path and that we understand why allah did this to nabi yunus and so when allah granted him to be able to go into that extent he called out to allah as we said allah put him into this challenge he was in the first challenge to deal with his people and that challenge he did not was not successful in. And Allah taught us nobody can go against the, cha- the, the orders of Allah. Nobody walks away from his, his responsibility, except for that Allah will put him into some other challenge, a challenge which is slightly more uncomfortable. And the reason why Allah puts you and me in a challenge that's more uncomfortable is because Allah's love for us is so intense. Allah has such an intense love for us, an intense concern, a care for us that Allah has. And Allah uses Allah's means because of His intense love for us. Allah Ta'ala gives us something more uncomfortable. But through that more uncomfortability, we reach out to Allah. Like Nabi Yunus, when he... When he realized that he was an uncomfortability, he then reached out to Allah, he called to Allah, he screamed to Allah. And when man reaches out to Allah and are sincere with reaching out, and he's prepared to call out and really see and look at himself and blame nobody else but himself, and he takes full responsibility for his, his action. This is what Nabi Yunus did. Nabi Yunus said to Allah, Subhanak, la ilaha illa anta. Oh Allah, there is none that can be worshipped except for Thee. Nothing and nobody deserves to be worshipped except Thee, O oh Allah. Subhanak, glory be to Thee. All greatness and honor and wonder all belongs to Thee, O oh Allah. Subhanak, inni kuntu min al-dhalimin. O oh Allah, I am a sinner. I am full of sin. I am I'm, I'm the weak person. I did the injustice. I did the wrong. I am to be blamed, nobody else. He did not blame, blame the people. He did not say yes, but, but they didn't listen. No. He said, 
I'm to be blamed. I should have had more patience. I should have, I should have bared the processes. I should have realized you've given me the responsibility, and I must see that I carry it out to the to, to every extent until you give me guidance. And you haven't given me that gui- guidance. I've drawn the conclusion myself. I've suddenly said, yes, you will be getting getting this and this and that will be happening to you. And he judged these people, unfortunately, and Allah then showed him. Allah's care, Allah's love. In the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, listen to the Nabi. He speaks to us and he says, إِذَا أَحَبَّ اللَّهُ الْعَبْدِ إِبْتَلَى When Allah has an intense love for somebody, an intense deep care for that person, because Allah wishes for him good, then Allah puts him through a trial, a difficulty. Now allow me to use the example, and I'm speaking to you and me. Tell me, when your children is naughty, when your children don't listen to you, when your children uh, is abusive or uh, is not prepared to adhere to what you are guiding or instructing him to, you feel good about it? And when you don't feel good, if you don't feel as a parent, you don't feel good for what your children is doing, tell me, do you give your children sweets or something nice or make some food for them? Or what do you do? Or do you reprimand? Now the norm is you and I know you're, you're reprimand and your reprimanding is based on what? You hate them? You detest them? You dislike them? No, no, no. You have a deep concern for them. You have a great love for them. You care for them. And you reprimand because you wish for them to come to their senses. Do they come to their senses in the realization and you wish for them that they need to? Similarly, Allah does the same. Very much like you. Allah has created us with certain qualities that Allah has put in us that we react very much like our Lord. And we sometimes forget that. But Allah's, because Allah's extensive, extensive love and care for us is so great that we do not realize at that moment Allah will wish us only for us to come to realize our weaknesses and come to call out to Allah. And when we do that, subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, and we are sincere, and we righteous, and we call to Allah, and we beg of Allah, and we ask Allah to guide us to righteousness, and we then fulfill what we're supposed to do, and we ask Allah for pardon, and we admit that we blame nobody else, but we blame ourselves. If we take to that extent, Allah says to us, that is what happened to Nabi Yunus. He said those words, he says, La ilaha illa anta subhanak, inni kuntu min al-dhalivilli, I, I am the sinner. I'm of the dhalimin, I'm of the, the wrong people, the people who does the wrong. I'm wrongful. What we see in here, Allah wants to tell, Allah wants to tell us, that remember you as human being, please remember, don't find the excuse to look at anybody other, don't look at other people, don't say, ya ma daipas wane daigadun, and leave the other people, speak about yourself, sprat van yourself, look inside yourself, find the fault in you, see the weaknesses within, because change only comes when you can identify the negativity, if you cannot identify the negativity, change cannot happen, positivities cannot come about growth is not possible because you cannot find the fault you cannot blame 
or you blame other but not the self you see not the internal weaknesses so you cannot grow you would want others to grow you want others to change but you don't want to grow by yourself you don't want to bring change within yourself and you're not prepared to admit that the fault lies within yourself nowhere else now this is but this is how Allah created all of us we all have this unfortunate weaknesses and Allah Ta'ala wanted us to grow and Allah Ta'ala, because Allah has created us, remember He loves us, He cares for us, and He's the best to be able to guide us what is best for our dunya and best for our akhirah. Shukran so much for that. Sheikh, we're heading on to our second segment, and that is I'm a Muslim, what is expected of me? And your Sheikh will be doing a recap as to where Sheikh stopped yesterday, just to give a refresher to the brain. Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran, jazakallah khair for that one, and Yasmina. Um, um, yesterday we dealt with the subject of under the subject in, in this segment of I am a Muslim so what is expected of me we are busy on the segment dealing with the salah but we are dealing with what we call the prerequisites for salah those things that need to be prepared, prepared for before we actually perform the salah we've touched the istinja we're busy with the wudu at the moment and we've gone to two devils of the wudu we've gone to the wudu where we say what is the things that we need to look do that we say we've, we've completed the wudu as as we should which we call the obligatory components of the wudu we've covered that alhamdulillah we then went into the sunnah acts of the wudu and at the sunnah acts of the wudu alhamdulillah what we call the recommended acts to do um, we, we, we went to the using of the miswak. We mentioned to us the words of the uh, Sahaba, uh, I mean of the, the um, Sahabi radiallahu anhu actually related to us the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Nabi says, if it was not uh, not to be a hardship or a difficulty on my nation or on my ummah, I would order them to use the Miswak whenever they're making the wudu, the ablution. Alhamdulillah. We then said the next one was the washing the hands three times at the beginning of the ablution. The washing the hands three times at the beginning of the ablution. And we saw that happening, happening in the hadith that we mentioned of how um, the, the one that I've sent you to be able to do research, how Sayyidina Uthman showed the people this is the way the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performed the wudu. With the thing said, the third one is the combining together as a sunnah part, combining together of the washing of the mouth, rinsing the mouth and the nose, but, but doing that together in one scoop of water, one scoop of water, and you, a portion of that you take for your uh, rinsing the mouth, and the other part of that you take it to, to breathe in the water into the nose and breathe it out through that, inshallah. That is the, th the first three. And then we said, that the rinsing of the nose as a next part of as a sunnah um, should be extensive and we say uh, uh, extensive we mean it should be done uh, to the extent that the person has water into the nose pulled up into the nose and then blown out right um, and this the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa strongly recommend for us but he says except for one who is fasting then it must be done lightly Right? Subhanakallah. In the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it says that, um, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says that one should put water well in, up to the nose unless one is fasting. 
We then said the next one is to start everything with the right hand and then with the left hand. And we saw that in the various ahadith. Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu and we stopped there yesterday. Oh, that is one of the last points. We said Aisha radiallahu anha said to us that everything the Nabi did, he did and he first started with his right hand. That generally was. And then we also said that the rubbing of the forearm and the forearm we refer to the between the hand and the elbow in that portion that must be rubbed as a sunnah of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam we don't allow water just to be flowing over there we actually rub on that right that is the sunnah tariqah and we said the seventh one the seventh point is to be able to do everything three times I think that is the point that we ended last yesterday that we need to wash each part three times but here we also need to understand washing each part three times is when there is sufficient water we could be going to washing it twice when there's less water or when there's not water to be found or you could be doing it once now in the circumstances that we find ourselves within Cape Town today it is healthy that we know that when we when the Nabi sallallahu alayhi the reason for doing it thrice first, the reason for doing it three times every portion is to make sure that you've actually given maximum exposure to that portion to be in the process of wudu. And that when you do it twice or once, that you do so more considered from the first moment and you do that little you use that water and you do the rubbing and those places completely and fully so like for instance if you example if you wash your face once then you take a little bit of water on your hand and you make sure that you wash everywhere where the face must be washed right and you put your hand in every position like if you are you have a beard you move your hand into the beard and you wash from ear to ear from the forehead until under the chin. You make sure that all that whole portion, the water is touched there, amongst the ears, amongst, um, I mean, amongst the eyes, uh, the forehead, uh, and everything has been seen to on the face, and there's no space that if you do it once. Similarly, if you do it twice, right? Now, it could be once, twice, the sunnah tariqah is three times, the sunnah tariqah is two times, the sunnah tariqah is once. Because this is what our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has done in his education to you and me under the circumstances that he found it. And the norms, the general is, when there is excessive water, it's three times. When water is not fully available, and there's not a lot of water, twice, and... If there's, if there's low, no or little water, very, very little, then once would be sufficient and then we do a thorough, clear, a thorough wudu to see that my wudu, wudu has been done appropriately, properly, inshallah, to the best of my abilities. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are in our second part of the program being, I am a Muslim, what is expected of me in your program? Madrasa on E developing Islam in me. You're on a second part of the program being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And just before you continue, Sheikh, here is a question that came through on our SMS line and it says, Please tell me Allah is the highest. Why address Allah as He every time this applies to everybody else? Shukran Jazakarahi for the listener there that with the question. I think it's a relevant question. Alhamdulillah. The person says we use the word 
he for everybody else why do we use that word for Allah Ta'ala now allow me to oh, I would, would love to ask the listener and everybody else to be able to be open-minded for what we're gonna share here um, remember the word he is a way that we pronounce uh, the way we actually want to identify somebody when we call that person right? now Allah Ta'ala has made us you and me as males and females and Allah's created the animate and the inanimate and the animate is like you and me as human being and Allah Ta'ala has given us that we use a form of speech wherein we say you and we say he and we say she right or they and Allah Ta'ala showed in the Qur'an that Allah Ta'ala uses exactly the same that Allah Ta'ala wants to put us on a process of understanding using the same uh, words that, that when you use the words you and he and we or me and, and, and those words and so Allah Ta'ala expects of us that we should give honor and dignity to Allah either through the process of when we use those words that we add something to it and or that we have a clean heart when it deals with Allah Ta'ala but Allah Ta'ala wants us to understand there's nothing wrong that if you use it and you have got no negative meaning to your heart or negative thoughts or negativity to it if you want to say Allah Jalla Jalalu He Allah he Allah Rabbul Aizza Ya He Allah He Rabbul Sabawati Wal Art Then you can be doing that But if you simply want to say He and your reference is Allah And you have a clean heart You've got nothing negative And you clearly understand Then there's absolutely nothing wrong Because Allah doesn't prevent us from doing that Right? And did our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa in his wording didn't say to us we shouldn't use those things because Allah Ta'ala says in the Holy Quran when Allah Ta'ala speaks to us in Surah Al-Ikhlas Surah that, that's known to us as Qul Allah Ahad Allah Ta'ala says Qul Muhammad and everybody else sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say Allah Qul say Allah He is Allah now Allah says he, Allah uses the word he as we would say huwa in Arabic, huwa, because huwa is just the, 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 uh, the, the Arabic meaning for the word he. Say he is Allah. Because Allah would have used other words if Allah wanted us to be able to use other words. So, but you and I can, in, if we feel we're doing something better, like for instance, it is strongly recommended whenever we hear the name Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam to be able to say sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because it's not decent. Similarly, if you feel that it is a sense of indecency from your own side and you feel uncomfortable with it, then recommended for you to say Allah Jalla Jalalu. Or Allah Subhanahu, or Allah Rabbul Aizza. You could be doing all those things if you want to speak about Allah, or say Allah He Rabbul Jalala, or say He Allah Rabbul Jalala. Right? Or if you feel 
there's nothing wrong by having to say it if you are saying it with a clear heart and you're not having anything malice or wrongful or negative feelings then it's absolutely permissible nothing will be kept against you or Allah will not keep that against you because it's permissible but we can say it with using glorification and if we say it without glorification it doesn't minimize the status of Allah in any way May Allah open the path for all of us Shukran so much for that Sheikh and for explaining that to us we are now with three minutes to our new soul and then Sheikh will be continuing up until three o'clock inshallah Shukran Jazakallah for that one and Yasmina we were busy just before the break we were busy in having to deal with it um, the uh, the acts of what we call the the sunnah acts recommended acts to do in the salah and we've gone to the extent where we were looking at what we need to do when we speak about the washing of the the um the washing of the hands the wash the, the washing of each part three times we did right um we were dealing with a three times there and we said that you could be three times or two times or once right um, and then the next point as the Sunnah recommended acts is to be able to see that the proper order for the wudu is being taken right as a Sunnah part I know that the, the, the proper order we say the, 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 the method from where do you start by washing your hands and then you follow up by rinsing the mouth and then the nose and then washing the face and then washing the arms uh, right and then left and then after that to be able to wash the the head and uh, and the ears and, and then to be able to wash the feet um the right and the left the all those we're speaking here about the proper order of making the ablution that proper order is recommended as sunnah for us to see that we actually do that in its proper format may allah accept from one of us that is the number eight of the, of the Sunnah Acts and number nine of the Sunnah Acts is to be able to read the, the Sunnah Dua that is to be made as a dhikr, as a ibadah um, and the ibadah that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the supplication that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught us is one to be able to say Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And then to be also to make a dua Allahumma ja'anni min al-tawwabin waja'anni min al-mutatahirin waja'anni min ibadika al-salihin Those are the things and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam showed us If you do these things and Allah ta'ala will find reason to put that dua and your action that you've done of the wudu Create a seal for that for that by Allah and Yawm Al-Qiyamah will open the seal and you'll see what Allah has preserved for you and me um, on that day for the reward of the fact that you've been making the ibadah of the wudu. You've also made the supplication, the, the, the you read the kalimat of shahada and you made the dua. And may Allah accept from all of us and grant us to be able to be of those people. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are still by our second part of the program, being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And here I hand over to Sheikh to continue. We Sheikh stopped. Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran, jazakallah khair. Barakallah fikum. Thanks for that one, Auntie Yasmina. 
just before the break we were busy on the wudu and we were looking at the sunnah portions of the wudu to be able to do and we went through those sunnah things the the recommended things to do as added to the wudu to be able to see that we do the wudu to the best of our abilities and we reach at uh, at nine points that was dealt there and we're doing uh, going over the last one was the the uh, reciting of the Kalima Shahada and the Dua that we perform after the Wudu. We did that was the last one. The tenth point that, that the scholar says on the Sunnah actions of the Wudu is or some of the Sunnahs of the scholars add to that as a Sunnah portion of the Wudu that there is a Hadith of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said and Uthman he mentions that in his Hadith that he mentioned to us he says um, whoever makes the do like that of mine and stands in prayer for two raka'ats with no other thoughts coming from to his mind then his previous sins will be forgiven the Sayyidina Uthman said that when he actually explained to us the hadith of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as to how he performed the hudu the scholars thereby draw the conclusion that it is a sunnah to be able to perform with every wudu that you make to perform a two rakats at least, right? Um, there's also the common hadith that's known to us of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam speaking to Bilal. We said to Bilal at one time, "I hear your footsteps before me in Jannah. Inform me of a deed you performed in Islam concerning which you have the most hope for." as I hear your footsteps in front of me in paradise. And Bilal replied to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there is no deed concerning which I am more hopeful, except that I never purified, I never took wudu myself during the night or day, but that I prayed two rakats, sunnah, with that wudu, whatever has been recorded for me to pray. Meaning, I will do a sunnah prayer if I can, or if there's a fart prayer, I would perform a fart prayer, but the, I would not perform a wudu unless I made sure in that wudu, for that wudu that taken, I would perform two rakat sunnah for the least. Right? So, I'm, whenever I take a wudu, I would not let my wudu be broken unless I actually make use of that wudu to be able to perform any two rakat. So that is what the scholars are saying to us. What is those things that is sunnah for us to do when we actually take the wudu. And now we go over to the other portion which go, what are the things that negates of the wudu? What, what is the things that actually, as we would say in English, what breaks the wudu, right? What is the itzabari wudu of briyak? Now the wudu, we're doing the wudu, we have the wudu now, but certain things would prevent me of having to be a person to claim that I still have wudu. What is those things in Islam? The first, uh, the, the scholars are saying, whatever comes out of the, pre the private parts, from the front or the back, those things are the things that breaks the wudu. Um, so may, may Allah grant khair and barakah, that we understand, if anything comes out of the private parts, then that thing breaks the wudu, right? Whatever comes out of the private part, no, we, we understand comes out of the private part, comes out of the, is things like uh, urine, or fetus, or at the back, or wind, 
or Khaid or Nifaz or all those things. Those are the things that actually comes out of, uh, which, which is the call of nature or the negativities that, that comes out at that time. The fact that those things comes out of the wudu, out of the private parts, or the, the semen, if semen comes out, then, then, then wudu needs to be taken, right? We, we, will, we will deal with those details thereafter later, inshallah. Okay, Sheikh, we are still in our second part of the program. We are 15 minutes past the hour of three. And if you do have any questions in which you want to ask Sheikh, you can send them through to our WhatsApp, being 072-238-0712, alternatively 47913. Also not forgetting a gentle reminder for the excursion happening on the 26th of March, inshallah. You can give Zarina a call on 021-442-3500 if you have any questions as to how you can go about in terms of attending the excursion and also being there. But Sheikh, you can continue. Bismillah. So we see in the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that anything that actually comes through the private parts, now all the different things that happen through the private parts has been clearly shown to us that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us we need to take wudu then, right? Whether it is even a, a male with having um, semen coming out or any fluid coming out of the private parts, um, then wudu is recommended to be taken from, from that process. The second thing that a, creates the process where a person needs to take wudu is when a person has been in a deep sleep. Now if you have been in a deep sleep, you had wudu, you've been into a deep sleep and you don't know what has happened to your body, then taking wudu would be strongly recommended because the Nabi indicated to us that um, the reason for us taking wudu is simply because we did not know where our hands landed through the type of our sleep. Meaning, our hands could have been anywhere, could have touched our private parts, then unfortunately the wudu would be, broke, be broken in that case. So, because, because of the fact that we do not know where our hands or how our body parts has moved and what has happened to it, then unfortunately we need to say, because we took a deep sleep, that we need to be able to take wudu again. The third point that actually allows us to be able to see that wudu must be taken because it will be considered that we do not have wudu or the wudu is broken, as we've said, is losing consciousness, losing consciousness, meaning the person becomes unconscious due to either intoxication or illness, meaning the person went into what we call a coma or the person is ill and lost, lost his consciousness or he was given a, a severe drug, must probably be, uh, where the person has lost, is, is unaware of what's happening to him or to his body. Example, somebody goes into an operation and they give him the, 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 the um, intoxication just to, to, to allow the body to go out. You don't realize what's happening to your body. Then in that case, the wudu is a necessity when the person comes back, right? That's the third one. The fourth one, when one actually touches one's private parts without a barrier, such as a garment or touch of lust. Meaning the moment a person touches his or her private parts with lust, with, with, with this emotion, that lust that comes there, 
and then that breaks the wudu unfortunately and or when the person touches his private parts like when he wants to relieve himself then in that case the wudu is broken he needs to be able to make the wudu right um, the other point is the scholar says the fifth one is when it's when a person eats camel meat now this comes from a hadith of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where the Nabi says make ablution from camel meat and do not make ablution from goat or sheep meat meaning that if you ate camel meat then it's recommended, strongly recommended that you actually uh, take wudu but if, you've eat, if you ate sheep or goat meat then there's nothing wrong or any other type of food. the camel meat is the thing that the scholar says for that matter that when we eat camel meat it's recommended for us to take wudu again now some scholars says it is not really broken the wudu is not really broken when you eat camel meat but it's strongly recommended for us to see that we actually take wudu if we had if we had camel if we ate camel meat you know the person asked the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam O Messenger of Allah shall I make ablution or take wudu from eating sheep or goat or cow's meat the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied and said to him if you wish make a wudu and if you do not wish do not do so do make do not uh, you do not wish to do so do not make a, a wudu which means you can uh, you, uh, you you may not then he asks then the person asks do the, do I make wudu of camel's meat if I have had wudu but I ate camel's meat do I do and then Nabi says yes make ablution from camel's meat meaning that when a person has taken camel's meat eaten camel's meat in any form then it's recommended for that person to be able to see that he takes wudu out of, out of that. Now, these are the ahadith that indicates the processes of how then we need to react to the those things and actually breaks the wudu. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. Sheikh, here is a few questions that came through on our WhatsApp number from the number double seven double six. Says Salam, Sheikh. A female Muslim doctor said that the wind that comes out of a vagina does not break the hudu because it is wind that entered and left and did not truly come from the body. Please comment, Jazakallah. I think it's a very pertinent question because these are the things that happens with people. Now, when earlier we said that if a person breaks uh, the, whatever comes out of the private parts, we refer to those normal things that comes out, like the urine comes out of the private parts, the semen comes out of the private parts, um, uh, with, with the male and, 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 and with the female, the, 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 those things that comes like the khayd or nifas. A wind, when you feel a wind coming out, then unfortunately these are, this is not a common thing because wind doesn't come out of the vagina of a person. Um, uh, and, and if that happens, it's uh, what we would you normally call an abnormal act. It doesn't normally happen that way. Something that happens once in the blue moon, very, very strange matter. It's not a common thing within us. And those would doesn't really break the wudu as it, because it just feels as a feeling or emotion of a, a wind effect that comes uh, that, that goes through the vagina of the woman then there's nothing wrong that doesn't because it's not considered dirt or what we say what happens with a wind that has uh, um, toxins with it right that will be create dirt or filth 
at something completely different to that, and and that would not be con- constitute the the need for taking wudu with with that. Shukran so much for that. She had also a comment that came along. She said she spoke with regards to the eating of the camel meat. However, some of the listeners did not understand. So maybe she can just elaborate as to what she has been uh, said there with regards to the eating of the camel meat. Yeah, no. Um, for us in Cape Town, we're not, we not common to eating camel meat. Um, it's more in the places where camels are found and they slaughter camels there eh? and e- people eat those meats in that places but also similarly if you and I go on Hajj and Umrah and we travel to those places and we eat there then the Sunnah Tariqah is that if you've eaten meat it's nothing wrong, no harm for that but if you ate camel meat that and you had wudu preferably to be able to see that you actually take wudu again so camel meat now, no matter what, whether it's, 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 uh, it's braai or whether it is uh, placed in food like a, a breedy or, or whether it's now on a piece of bread and it's camel meat that you ate, in any format of camel meat, the sunnah tariqah is because we read the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where our Nabi, which is our teacher, our role model, our guide, the one who shows us. And thank you for asking the question. Being wanting to be concerned so that we understand the matter, our Nabi is the one who tells us that it is best that if you had wudu and you ate any other meats, those meats doesn't affect you. But when you have eaten camel meat, to see that you take wudu would be preferable for us. May Allah open the path for all of us, inshallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then another message that came through in a question. Say salam, Sheikh, I'm always in a state of impurity. So if I take wudu for a waqt, can I read Quran with the same wudu? I mean, after performing my far salah. I take it that the person's question is, I'm always in a state of impurity. It's a reference to somebody who's breaking the wudu all the time. Uh, um, you could use those words for some other explanation too. But I take it for what I understand from the question. That with reference to a person, unless the person wants to be able to give more clarity on that. If it means that the person breaks his wudu very quickly, means uh, the winds comes out, and so I'm not. I'm, uh, uh, takes, uh, then and that person has made has performed his salah with his wudu, but now as he's busy, he wants to read Quran, and if he wants to read Quran, what would happen? Would it be considered that he he, he finds it uncomfortable to take wudu every time? It's quite permissible to be able to read the Quran without wudu. Now, yes, I'm not saying that you uh, must not take wudu. If you can have wudu, it is better or best for us to have wudu in reciting the Quran. But it's not a necessity. Like either salah, you cannot make salah without wudu. But you can read the Quran without wudu. Right? Which means, because Allah is not going to keep it against you. And when, when Allah speaks in the Holy Quran, and Allah says, when it comes to the touching of the Quran, and reading the Quran, and Allah says, nobody will touch it except the person who is pure. And then the reference to in, in that ayah that Allah refers there to, is mean that the person is a pure Muslim, a, a person with a pure heart, a person who is not a kafir who's impure, is not clean, right? That's what the difference. So yes, each and every one of us that's Muslim, we are pure. But it's not recommended for us to always just go and not take wudu. That is not the recommendation. 
The recommendation is whenever we're busy with the Quran to see that we have wudu. But if the circumstances to the question of the person as is, is not going to be, then it's quite permissible for him to be able to read the Quran. Thank so much for that, Sheikh. And then also an, another question that came through. It says, Yes, Salam, Sheikh. What if some, what if you have some kind of illness and you cannot control your winds? What if a person have some of illness and you cannot control the winds? Then um, I would suggest that the person goes to one of the doctors and find out what there is available. Now there is a, a great variety of products that can be used. There is what we would say the general doctor would tell you what is the type of thing. But I would recommend that you go to what we call the herbalists. And they would tell you what is the natural type of things that you need to eat. And I most probably would say to the person for my own self, it is strongly recommended to be able to use ginger, ginger, raw ginger, or sweetened ginger. And you eat that from time to time and it brings down the winds much more easier or you have less winds in. But it's also recommended that we exercise a little bit from time to time because the exercise creates a process that winds come down off of the body easily. The other factors is I would strongly recommend that we eat our fruit, our fruit before we eat our food. And that we, um, uh, when we, 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 don't, we, when we eat, we don't gulp the food off. We eat it slowly, uh, uh, small portions. Because those, all those things lessen the amount of wind in the body. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then here is another question that came through. It says, Salams, can you ask Sheikh if my husband's sister or brother's children, that's Mukalla, will break Mahudu Kanala? Shukran for the nice program. I really enjoy it. The question is the person says, My brother's, my husband's brother or sister's children. Now, she says, My husband, referring that she's a female, and my bro- her, her husband's brothers or sisters children yes they all break the wudu because um, and uh, with reference to the fact that they are mukallaf and they are actually not female because female doesn't break the female's wudu right um, it's it's the opposite sex right which is the male now her husband's brother's sons or her husband's sister's sons if they are mukallaf can they break the wudu yes they do break the wudu Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then moving along to our SMS line from the number 7256. It says, Salams, does a lady's discharge break the hudu? Does the lady's discharge break the hudu? Yes. Remember the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa told us, anything that comes out of the private parts, that breaks the hudu. It's of the discharge. The person uh, cleans the discharge and takes hudu again. And then the last one on our SMS line says, Salam, does changing a baby's being a boy or a girl's nappy break the hudu? Um, changing the baby's nappy if it's a baby. Girl um, or a boy. B- girl or a boy. Changing the nappy does not break the hudu. The person has now touched the, the uh, two things. The person has touched the private parts of the baby. That doesn't break the hudu for the mother. And number two, um, uh, the, 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 the touching the, the dirt like the, the urine or the feces that has come off that it doesn't break the hoodoo either uh, of the mother she just needs to wash her hands and watch the part of the way that touched the body right 
Shukran so much for that. Shukran, shukran to everyone that's seen through the comments and also participated <coughs> in the program. Now finally moving on to our last last segment being leadership in Islam and its progression. And Sheikh here is going to be recapping as to where Sheikh stopped yesterday. Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran, jazakallah for that. And Yasmina, in our program in this segment yesterday, we were busy with the topic of communication and we were dealing with the issue of verification in Islam. And we went to the ayat of Allah, Allah showed us how we need to be able to verify things. We showed us certain places in the Holy Quran how important it is for us to verify and that we don't take messages from people and that we in actual fact not be hasteful to be able to listen to things and carry it over. We showed us how Allah tells us in the Holy Quran that to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about the a person who came to the Nabi in informing him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about information and Allah reminded us in the Holy Quran speaking to the Sahaba and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam إِذَا جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِكُمْ بِنَبَئٍ فَتَبَيَّنُوا Please see that you do verify. Now Allah speaks here in the Holy Quran to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and in his capacity as that great Nabi, Allah tells him that you and I need to, he, he and all the Sahaba needs to verify. So what then happens with you and me? Is it fair and is it righteous that we just listen to information? Without verification, we immediately tell it over to others? No. In the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa he makes it clear, he says, if you take information from anybody and you do not verify that information and you just go and inform others then one you will be seen as a sinner in the sight of Allah number two the Nabi says you will be seen as a liar in the sight of Allah you love lying because you've taken information you did not verify so you're telling a lie subhanak kafa bil mar'i kadiban enough it is it is it that when you've only told the information as you've heard it without verification then you are truly seen as a liar in the sight of Allah right so it's not recommended for us right we said in this and another early wire of that same hadith enough is it are you seen by Allah as a sinner if you just take the information and pass it over and the reason for all this is not to be able to say no are you a sinner or you're a liar you can be considered a liar or a sinner or even both the reality is the fact that we need to know we as Muslims should verify and the importance of verification we then took the people to the understanding of what Allah speaks in Surah An-Nur about Sayyidatina Aisha radiallahu anha and how the fitna went around up her and how people just took the information and heard it from some others and informed others about it without verification and Allah just brings attention to us and says is it righteous that you know when somebody makes an accusation that somebody else has done uh, the, the, the act of, of, of uh, homosexual or, or, or interacted through with other people um, sexually that um, if you make such a claim that you need to bring, bring proof so you didn't ask that person where is the proof so we if you and I make such a statement and we just claim that Allah says in the Quran 
we need to have proof and when you have proof you need to have four witnesses your proof must be four witnesses this is what Allah says to show us that it is not fair and just that you and I just listen to information and take the information over to others now one of those unfortunate situation is uh, it's, it's very juicy to know daughters uh, uh, um, no, no, we don't know. What can you say? Now, one of the common weaknesses in our community is as they say the MGM get a must get married, and then will also say they say was married or she was pregnant of that man. They had affairs with one another. It comes for us to understand this is any. If somebody gets married, he gets married. Alhamdulillah. That's how we need to see it. We should not entertain it because Allah prevents us. Allah says that if I make such a statement and I did not verify, no, who can I verify? Now, we had to come to where it's a geslap in diamond. In a little psalm geslap in. Who can tell me that? You? Can you tell me? Can, can anybody tell me that? Nobody can. Nobody knows that. If it is something that has happened, they know the things themselves. Nobody besides them. But Allah wants to protect you, and Allah wants to protect your family, and me and my families. Allah wants to protect us. So don't be of those who love to listen to stories and wants to tell it to others. Like we said, that story of those are the negative things. Those are the filthy, corrupt things. Those are th- that is Shaitan and the fault of Shaitan that has crept into our hearts. And if we are satanic and we love being satanic, then there's nothing wrong. Carry on, do it. And you and Jahannam would be the same. Now the Billah, may Allah protect all of us. I'm not saying this because I want you to go into Jahannam. Nay, instead, I want to say if you love being satanic, you love shaitan, and you love the fault of shaitan, and you love the juicy news of other people's business, other means is a hala and gewalla, that jainuka oot vertel na oote bila. Allah is bereid om vir jou te wil protect. Allah wants to protect you and me. And Allah says to us, if you and I can know something of somebody else, but are prepared to protect those people of what we know, and not to expose any of their weaknesses, Allah Ta'ala will protect you and me. Yawman Qiyamah, when Allah, when we are going to meet in front of Allah, and whatever Allah knows of us, Allah will preserve and Allah will keep quiet and Allah will not expose us simply because we were ready not to expose other people of their faults and their weaknesses. Maha'Allah was Amal Bavar. We're all human, we all make errors. We're ready and ask Allah for forgiveness for any faults and wrongs that we've had against anybody other. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are now by our final part of the segment being leadership in Islam and its progression. And here, Sheikh is going to be continuing where Sheikh stopped. Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran, jazakallah khair for that, Auntie Yasmina. <coughs> in the section before this, we dealt with the... Um, we looked at communication, and under communication, we dealt with the issue of verification in Islam. The importance of verification and how we as Muslims, when we talk, 
or when we communicate, we need to be able to have certain conditions in place. And remember, these things are not coming from me. These are all the things that come from Allah and His Rasul showing us how we should go about in having to protect our tongues. Remember, we set an impression on others. We give others the understanding of who we are and how we as human beings should be living when they see us. If we, When we do something, people take from us and they believe that when we do something, it's righteous and it's good. And so they take from us, right? Especially the younger generation. And so they see that the way we do things. And so this is the reason why they say we've been guided as Muslims in communication how to go about what is the things that we need to put in place, right? So that we can get the best result of interaction in our sense of communication and we get the best form of uh, that the way we communicate, we are considerate what we are saying, what we listen to, how we respond to things. And that it brings a benefit and good to our society and our community. And Allah Ta'ala will grant us greater rewards in the year after. May Allah grant us to be of those people, inshaAllah. And so we've gone to the various, we've ended with the last issue of, what you say, verification. And how important verification is with information. And we now reach the, 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 the section that we speak about, the act of listening or the art of listening. Right, and even that Islam has taught us how to go about listening. Right now, we have mentioned prior to the issue of communication the importance of listening there, but we're gonna um, expound on the art of listening. How do we go about that? How do we and uh, what do we really understand it when we speak about the issue of listening? Now, listening is something that happens when people are dealing or interacting with one another. And Allah Ta'ala has granted us the skill of having a, uh, um, a tool on our body that's called what we call the listening skills. And that happens through what we call the ears, right? Now, Allah Ta'ala wants us to realize how important listening is. And we've, please, we've previously said that Allah has granted us one tongue but two ears to want us to understand that in our communication processes if we ever speak once we need to listen very attentively to others but now the skill of listening or what listening entails is that there is a message that somebody gives me somebody shares a message with me and that message contains information and that information is transmitted from the person who sits, sends me the message and I am the receiver of that message. And we need to understand when the message is in actual fact transmitted from, the, from its source to me, the receiver, it needs to be in an environment that suppresses noise and it encourages feedback. What is meant by the word suppresses noise, meaning that I must be able to listen to all the information that the person shares with me. I must be, the, the, the environment must be able to allow me to listen to what is in the information that's been given to me. What does it entail? How do I understand that information? 
and I mustn't be affected by the noise, meaning I must, if there's other things happening around me, I must be able to allow to decipher the full message and understand the message very clearly without having to be attached by other things, which is called noise. All the other parts of what that comes through, that's not needed for me to be able, I must, that's called noise to my ears, I must remove that and then I understand what the message is. And it must be able to encourage feedback, meaning when you say I'm listening, I need to be able to be, as a listener, to be able to ask a question of verification and a question of clear clarity that I need on, meaning I need to say, did you mean this? Or do I understand you right? Or is that what you mean? Or I say to the person, did you say A, B, C? Uh, um, if the person said that those things is what we call the feedback process, meaning I need to make sure for if I did that, if for that matter I listened very attentively, I've separated the noise from the information and I, I'm, I'm listening, I'm giving quality to suppress the noise and uh, encouraging feedback to make sure that it makes a, a situation where I understand you better and you understand me better and when we understand one another better the, the role of sound communication becomes meaningful and qualitative and our lifestyle and our respect and honor for one another becomes meaningful now here we need to understand and the issue of listening the importance of listening means we are not in a hurry to draw conclusion you're not in a hurry to draw conclusion so you don't judge and you're not immediately responding to what you heard you don't you don't hear something and immediately respond uh yama i just want to say now many a time in the issue of listening we not giving our ears the hug that it has and we are very very quick to respond and we break into somebody else's message that he or she wants to give us and we did not understand the message nay we did not and 100 percent not why not because the person is not finished he's still busy speaking to me he's still giving me his message he's still hoping that i probably can but i don't and i won't understand Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We only have a few minutes left to our program where we are in leadership in Islam and its progression. I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue, inshallah, and make the most of this minute. Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran um, just before the break, we, we said to the people that um, you won't be able to understand the message and you can't understand the message. And, and, now, and, and, and the reason why I say you can't understand the message when somebody speaks is because when you and I barge in, when you and I are quick to want to give my response, um, then that's not good in good sound and good communication. Because sound and good communication calls for the fact that the listener needs to make sure that he or she understands the message. And your response, Ya Ma, is not the way to be able to say I understand. No, you don't understand. You won't. I repeat, you won't understand. Why? Because you're barged in. Listening 
listening attentively means you listen with a clear sense to want to get the clear message and for that you need to ask the listener the, the speaker the person who spoke to you or the person who presented his message to you to be able to know are you completed are you finished did you uh, now if you barge in you you haven't heard you say no i don't want to listen to the end i don't want to i think i understand it all and you don't tell me that attitude is the attitude of shaitan the attitude of corruption the attitude of breaking down the attitude of ill communication the attitude that you and i gonna fight and we gonna have difference of opinion and i feel i'm right and shaitan breaks in and you both must probably are wrong or you are wrong especially though you the one who barged in this is not what islam islam teaches us the means in communication is to be ready to know did the person complete his message and did i fully understand and if i say i have heard your message completed i need to be able to give back unto you your message to make sure that whatever I understood it, I understand it properly. That is important in listening. If I have not done that and I'm quick to respond, which is almost common amongst our people, a common thing amongst many of us, we're so very quick to be able to say, Yama. Yama what? Yama, you don't understand what I just said now. You don't understand. You won't understand. I repeat, you won't understand because you barged in. And barging in means you actually did not understand what I said. And because you won't understand and don't understand and will never understand, you need to understand that if you are not going to uh, teach yourself, nurture yourself on the sick fact that I'm not going to barge in and I'm going to listen attentively and I'm going to give my ears the quality that Allah has given to it. Sound communication cannot come through and if sound communication doesn't come through, the issue of good leadership is not seen amongst us. And so we are very, very quick to sometimes judge other people when we listen to half of the message judge the message judge my 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 little understanding or my non-understanding of the message and i suddenly want to give my if i've only given my ears the right to be able to absorb the message and ask the person have you completed do i understand your message clear did you say a b and c is it in that format do I understand it right? And if I say that, I mean I'm not rushing to give you my response. I'm not rushing to judge your message. I'm not rushing to be able to break down or to be satanic or to be able to entertain shaitan to break down the relationship between us. But that's, this happens in, in many relationships. It sometimes happens in husband and wife relationship. It sometimes happens in in corporate worlds. It sometimes happens in in businesses or in parents and children. It happens in various places where we're not prepared to listen attentively and that is so imperative when we actually deal with the process of sound communication, the need that we use the quality of listening attentively to things.
I think we've come to almost the end of our program and sorry that I need to end. Can we actually put our hands together and making dua all of us? A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wal asr innal insana lafi husr illa alladhina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawasaw bil haqqi wa tawasaw bis sabr. وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحابه وبارك وسلم والحمد لله رب العالمين جزاك الله الحمد لله رب العالمين with that we now end of four o'clock on the dot شكرًا so much to everyone who tuned in Professor Yasmina Peterson along Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams we bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and have a great day further